0: Cunningham and Justin Treese coming to you today with a great episode of Talking Football. Last episode, we started the 32 rounds of the greatest NFL players. I was decided by Treese. The hiccup in this is I don't know the players that I'm voting on. Treese is giving me purely just stats. He's giving me two options. He gives me the stats and the position of the player. From there, I have to make the decision of which player I think has better stats depending on their position. Era is not mentioned within this. It is at times, but I disregard it because I don't care because I'm not seeing your name. Yes, there's been different eras throughout the NFL. This is the greatest player of all time. If you dominated your era and you would dominate today, that makes me think, based off your stats, you're the greatest player of all time. So, here we are with our GOAT rankings. We are now in round two. If you haven't listened to the last episode Go and do it now. We also have a great guest today from Locked On Browns, Mr. Jeff Lloyd. He is the host of that, again, Locked On Browns. So if we have any new listeners here today because of that interview, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Hopefully we gain your attention for another episode. Now, I'm sure you're tired of hearing my voice. You want to hear about this other guy named Justin Treese. And ladies and gentlemen, here he is. And here I am. How's it going, Austin? How's your week been? Dude, it's been good. It is Monday as we're recording and it's been a good Monday. Uh, Decided I'd start doing a calorie deficient type diet. Uh, I had eaten all my calories for the day at breakfast and lunch because I didn't realize how many calories were in a French vanilla coffee from Sonic. Uh, I thought it was new. It's like, you know what? I got a new breakfast burrito. Let's roll with it. And here we are. No dinner for me. I guess I'm fasting. So
1: yikes. Um, Good for you, though. That's that's awesome. Um, all right. Well, I mean, we got a loaded show today. I'm very excited about every part of it. So let's just get into it. And we'll just start off with the classic trivia. So here we go. Um, crazy stat, but a true stat. And so I just want you to try to guess who this person is. In the Bears postseason, the record for most rushing touchdowns in a game is two. Who holds this record? what is it's
0: not even going to be walter payton is it
1: it's not uh walter payton and for those of you who haven't listened to last episode or now have a guy that you already booted out of the top 32 for the record
0: oh, i'm sure he was up against another great player so it's got to make sense once i know the names uh can't wait to see that bracket come out with the names because probably ain't gonna be too pretty but <laughs> anywho Uh, Is it going to be Matt Forte?
1: It is not. That is a good guess. Our boy Matt Forte. Love that guy. But no.
0: Oh, man. Would it have been on their Super Bowl run? No, it is not on their Super Bowl run. Yikes, dude. There ain't no way I know then. There is no no way in hell.
1: All right, you ready?
0: I'm going to be upset. Let's hear it.
1: Jay Cutler.
0: What? (laughs) Yep. No. Dead serious. That's their playoff rushing touchdown record in a game.
1: Yep. Held by Jay Cutler himself. So, Christian Cavallari, fuck you. Let the man retire. Let the dude live on a Tennessee farm. Like, heaven forbid he wants to hang out with his kids.
0: Yeah, heaven forbid he make over $100 million for your family – and then go I would love to lay on the couch after years of being destroyed by men that are bigger and stronger than me who are getting paid to hurt me like in like not purposely hurt but in a way yes inflict cause pain. physical harm yes
1: <laughs> yeah man so, that's crazy so Hey, they paid the man a lot of money to set that record. You know, they were hoping <laughs> yeah, for other records, but hey, <laughs> hey, at least he got one of them. He got he got a record, so good for Jay.
0: Oh my gosh, that is absolutely absurd. Remember Let's
1: just... our, sorry. Remember our conversation that we had before last season? We were talking because because we were watching that show, and we we're like, hey, like, would you rather have Jay Cutler than Jameis Winston? We had this conversation on this uh, on this podcast over a year ago. And we both said we would rather have Jay Cutler than Jameis Winston.
0: I'm glad because that's what my thought was here, and I wanted to hope that I hadn't changed my mind or for some idiotic reason thought Jameis Winston. But, yes, still Jay
1: Cutler. It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. All right. You love to see it. (laughs) You do love to see it. You do love to see it. All right. We're going to get into the bracket now, so let's just get going. We're into the final, the Sweet 16, basically. So we'll get into it. All right, Player One, you have the stats in front of you. Is that correct? Yes, sir. It's a running back. It is a running back. So twelve thousand three hundred and twelve rushing yards. He had two hundred and sixty-two catches with uh, two thousand five hundred receiving yards, and he had a hundred and six total touchdowns. That is his career. He is facing a quarterback who has a career 67.6% completion percentage, 77,416 yards, with 547 touchdowns. Which player is moving on to that Elite Eight for you?
0: It is going to be the quarterback. You've thrown for 547 touchdowns, more than 2,000 passing attempts, and 77,000 yards. Hey, it's quite a bit. 547 touchdowns is quite a bit more than the, what was it? 262 receiving and 106 still. Yeah. Still oh. got to buy at least 200. So I'm, I'm feeling comfortable with that quarterback.
1: All right, great. Moving on to the next one. We have a running back and wide uh, quarterback again, running back had 12,279 rushing yards. He also had 6,875 receiving yards and 136 touchdowns in his career. And then the quarterback had 63.2% completion percentage, 40,551 passing yards. Passing yards. Thank you. And then 273 touchdowns.
0: So with this one, I'm actually going to take the running back due to the combined rushing and receiving touch, or yards with 136 touchdowns. The quarterback um, has a lesser pa- pa- has a lesser passer rating than the quarterback I just selected in the round before, um, and then less yardage as well and touchdowns. So for me, I think the running back had a more efficient career. Uh, the touchdowns might not show for it, but the yardage is definitely there.
1: All right, great. Let's move on to the next one. We have a two wide receivers, one of them with nine hundred and eighty two uh, receptions, fifteen thousand two hundred and ninety two yards and one hundred and fifty six touchdowns. The next one is another wide receiver, thirteen hundred and seventy eight catches, seventeen thousand and eighty three yards. And 120 touchdowns
0: So I am going to pick receiver two in this situation more receptions more yards Yes, there are less touchdowns But I'm gonna go ahead and make the assumption that this other receiver who has less receptions and more touchdowns was probably targeted more in the red zone uh, Which me which might kind of relate there but wide receiver two I mean you got thirteen hundred receptions in a career you are the main focal point of that offense or offenses that you are playing on. So for me, that's what gives him the notch here with another 2,000 yards and in the lead as well for receiving yards.
1: Okay, sounds good. All right, now we are on to back-to-back wide receivers. So we are at a wide receiver that 819 catches, 13,089 yards, and 100 catches. Compared to wide receiver B that had fifteen hundred and forty nine catches, twenty two thousand eight hundred and ninety five yards and one hundred and ninety seven touchdowns.
0: So the last one, the other receiver only had one hundred touchdowns. Correct. Okay. so I mean, I think this is just quite an obvious choice here. It's going to be wide receiver two. They lead in every single category. Um the reason this receiver lost is the reason why he won the last matchup. Stats were higher. So, you know, you love to see that way. Uh, that's just kind of how it works. So I'm comfortable with that choice in these rankings at this part of it.
1: All right. Now we are on to a running back versus a wide re- wide receiver. So we are now on the opposite side of the bracket at this point. So we have a running back that had uh, 3,062 carries. Uh, 15,269 yards and 97 touchdowns versus the wide receiver that had 1,078 catches, 15,934 yards and 153 touchdowns.
0: Wow, both these numbers are just absurd. Um, so within this, I mean, the touchdowns, Is kind of where you're at a point of the receiver has 153. The running back has 99. The yardage is less. The running back has, what is that quick math? 700 less. And then the running back has about 2,000 more rushing attempts. Yes. I just have to come to the realization is it easier to get touchdowns and yardage as a receiver than it is as a running back? which I think that obvious answer is yes, as the running back has 2,000 more targets uh, rushing attempts here than the receiver did receptions. This is tough. I think for me, I want to take the running back just due to the fact that this receiver has less yards than a receiver that I chose earlier. Um... In this bracket matchup here, the touchdowns aren't there for running back. But like I said, it's harder to get that as a running back. But if you're getting 3,000 attempts in a career, that shows longevity and that shows availability. And that's one thing that I preach quite a bit on this podcast. The best ability is availability. And this running back appeared to have it with 3,000 rushing attempts for 15,000 yards and 99 touchdowns. And they only have 386 yards in the playoffs. So that pretty much tells me he played on a kind of a shitty team. Yep. Taking that running back. And I'm not going to be surprised if this is – it's not even going to be Barry Sanders because they didn't play in the playoffs.
1: (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) All right. Moving on. We now have – Did they? What?
0: They didn't play in the playoffs, did they?
1: Yeah. They made it into the playoffs a few times with Barry Sanders. So is this Barry Sanders? I'm not telling you shit.
0: So yes. Okay. That's why you said, ha
1: funny. (laughs) So yeah, exactly. All right. We now have a w- running back versus a wide receiver. Uh, this wide receiver had – actually, we'll start off with the running back first. So 3,174 carries, 13,684 yards, averaged 4.3 yards per carry, had 145 touchdowns, and then also had 4,772 reception, uh, re- receiving yards. How many receiving yards, sorry? 4,772. The next guy is the wide receiver who had 731 receptions, 11,619 yards, averaged 15.9 yards per reception, and had 83 touchdowns.
0: Okay, so let me take a look at this one more time. Thirteen thousand yards versus eleven thousand yards. Four point three average is pretty good, but this receiver also had fifteen point nine yards a reception. Yeah. that is so, huge.
1: Yeah, so you also need to add that forty seven hundred to that. Running 13, back six, right? So that makes it Ooh. now eighteen thousand yards, just over eighteen thousand yards.
0: Andy had 145 touchdowns as opposed to the receiver having – you have to take the running back here. I'd be an idiot not to. Like I legitimately would be an idiot to not do that. So the running back, it is.
1: All right. <sighs> Sad. That wide receiver had the biggest upset last, uh, last episode by – I mean it, it doesn't matter at this point. He's the one that beat Walter Payton. So pulls off a huge upset just to get knocked out the next round.
0: All right. Why why did I do that? (laughs) Moving on. Not even. I mean, we got to pause here and listen to this.
1: Why did I make that decision? You thought the the wide receiver stats were more more impressive than Walter Payton's rushing stats. (laughs) It's
0: it's not even because I know who the name is, it's because I'm looking at the
1: stats again. That's what I think during last episode, I said, wow, that's a shocker. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, you want to know who – now that the wide receiver is out, do you want to know who it is? Yeah, I do. Piss me off. Calvin Johnson.
0: Okay, I mean, yeah, but –
1: but no. Like, <laughs> that's <go>. still no. – <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Oh, on, man. We, have, <clears throat> we have two more in this round. So we have a wide – or sorry, a quarterback versus a running back. So quarterback played in 266 games had a 65.3 completion percentage, threw for 71,946 yards, 539 touchdowns, and 251 interceptions. The running back, played in 226 games, had 4,409 rushing attempts, 18,355 yards, with 169 touchdowns.
0: So this is another one where impressive stats by a running back. The 4,000 attempts, you have to praise that in 20, 226 games. The 18,000 yards definitely needs to be praised because that is just a huge amount of numbers with 164 touchdowns. But I mean, when you look at this quarterback, 65 percentage rating, 71,940 yards. Oh, nearly 540 touchdowns and 251 interceptions. That's quite a bit, but I I have to take the quarterback here. Like those those are all time great numbers. That are, like these are guy. This is a guy that probably led the league in passing yards and touchdowns at a point. Correct.
1: Uh, correct.
0: Yep. Yes. Is this Brett Favre or did I vote Brett Favre out?
1: Brett Favre's off the island already. You kicked him out last episode. Yikes.
0: I know the 539 though. That's Peyton Manning. Yeah, if you want it to be. I know the 539. I know that number.
1: All right, moving on to the last two, we have a running back versus a quarterback. So will you please stop uh, researching how many touchdowns? I'm not. Sam? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You're not.
0: Computer was He's, falling asleep, man. Computer's falling asleep.
1: Yeah. The, the one time we don't do a YouTube video, and here you are trying to cheat your way. All right. so
0: whoa, 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 whoa. Let's stop throwing some accusations out there now. <laughs> That's not
1: happening at all. I don't appreciate that. Uh, we'll see about that. Hey. All right. Running back. Wow. 146 games. 2,996 attempts. Rushing attempts. 13,259 yards. 4.4 average. With 90 touchdowns versus the quarterback that has a 63.8 completion percentage, 74,571 yards, 541 touchdowns, and 179 interceptions. Okay,
0: so the 13,000 yards for the running back and 90 touchdowns is good, but the last running back that I just had lose didn't have good as numbers either or had better numbers. me. had way better numbers. Yeah. On, way in every category. I got, I got flustered there. So, I mean, if I'm going to make that running back lose, there's no way I'm letting this running back win against numbers of 74,000 passing yards, over 541 touchdowns with only throwing 179 interceptions in their career. And they've played 285 games. That shows me quite a lengthy career. And being able to keep your percentage at 63, got to give some respect there.
1: Okay. I have to go quarterback. I have to go quarterback. quarterback. Okay. All right. We are now down to that Elite Eight. It is official. So – we will we will finish the entire bracket off next episode. We will do Elite Eight, Final Four, and the Championship next round. Uh next episode I mean. And I'm going to come up with some other stats to add on to this because I have this gut feeling that you are gonna start doing some research and start figuring out names. I won't, which I promise you I won't. Opposite of this exercise here. So uh just so you know, the lowest seed, because I made the seeds, the lowest seed of the thirty-two that is still available is seed 23. Oh, a guy that I thought was 23rd on this list uh is in your elite 8. Talk about a true Cinderella story. We also have uh seed 22 still in there as well. 22 and Wow. What's available. the highest seed available? 1 is still available. There we go. That's good. So in your in the top 8 since we are now in the elite 8 Four of my top eight are still in there, which makes sense considering you have a 23 and a 22 still there. They had to have knocked off some of the higher seeds, so making sense there. I'm excited to see the end of this, though. Uh, It's going to be fun, and then when we're all done, then I will show the bracket with names because the point was let's do stat-based scouting. Obviously, you don't want to always do scout uh, stat based scouting, but it's fun exercise just to see what you would think here in this scenario. So that's awesome. Um, I think we're basically ready to get uh, an interview going with Jeff Lloyd. How about you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go ahead and get into that right now. Guys, here we are with Jeff Lloyd, the host of Locked On Browns. Teresa and I are very excited to have him on as we are running through our offseason interviews here and trying to talk with with guys that, you know, are professional with their team. They pay attention to that team more than anyone else. And so we want to get that point of view on the show. And so, Jeff, we're very excited to have you on, man. How are you
2: doing? Uh, We're good. You know, I mean, you know, I've seen him. Probably the craziest point of my lifetime. And, uh, you know, for anybody who's younger than me, probably the craziest point of theirs as well. Um, You know, we need this break to, you know, as far as, you know, sports and stuff like that. And I think, you know, a lot of this stuff gets amplified because we're not in the normalcy of what our world is normally right now. Um, Just, you know, crazy times here. But, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we all still got stuff to do and jobs to do and things of that nature. So, you know, you just got to find a way to plow on through.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, Treece, I know you got a couple great questions here in the rundown of forms. So let's go ahead and get you started on here with with your first great one. All
1: right. Cool. So, Jeff, uh, my curiosity here is with Kevin Stavansky now at the helm of your team and he loves to run that 12 personnel. Um, how do you think that that's going to fit with this Cleveland offense with how Baker, you know, it comes from like a run and gun type offense in college. And then they got all these weapons last year and you thought they were going to spread it out. And now they're kind of tightening everything up this year. Um, I think it's
2: something that's going to work really well with Baker. Um, He had success at Oklahoma. Obviously, Mark Andrews, current Baltimore Raven. One of the reasons Mark Andrews looks so good on film at Oklahoma was he was working with Baker Mayfield. Um, Baker Mayfield loves throwing, you know, between the hash marks, so to speak. You know, loves that, you know, that, that scene pattern to the tight end. Had a lot of success with it in 2018 with David Njoku. Um, and even you look at, you know, uh, you know Darren Fells, who became like, you know, a, a 33-year-old wonder last year with the Houston Texans. He had a lot of success with Baker Mayfield in 2018 as well. He was a guy actually, we, you know, we were kind of banging the table to keep around just because we didn't want Baker to lose the, you know, the comfortable aspects. And, you know, like everybody likes their security blankets as far as the quarterback position goes. He was one of Baker's guys. Um, and you look at it this year and we were going into and we knew this was coming, obviously, with Kevin Stefanski. We knew the 12 personnel and there was never going to be, you know, David, a joke who's he's just not going to be that guy. He's not going to be that full tight end where you talk about his blocking as much as you talk about his receiving. So you knew there something had to be done. You looked at this draft class and, you know, we looked at months before free agency and we're like, if this is what they want to do, it's just not here. You know, you the top tight ends in this draft, where did they go? L- late second round, third round. There was nobody that was going to come in. So it was important. And it was like dire that they made this Austin Hooper thing happen because, you know, within free agency, he was really the only guy available. And they went after it. They went after it extremely hard. And, you know, when you sit down with any guy in free agency and say, well, we're going to bring you in and we're going to make you the highest paid guy at your position it's a really easy way to usually kind of make things go and we're able to get that done. I think it's going to be essential. Um, you know, yeah, I mean you look at what Baker did at Oklahoma, but once they got closer and closer to the red zone, they kind of eliminated, you know, from the spread and, you know, everybody, you know, there was the fullback that he played with there as well. Flowers, um, who, you know, Baker essentially helped make a name for that kid as well. Um, he's never gotten a chance to stick in the league. Um, but it, it's it's not just about wide receivers with Baker. And, you know, I, I think because of his accuracy, and that's what, you know, where David Njoku and him had a lot of success in 2018 is, you know, David Njoku, you know, even coming into the league had some reputation for drops. Baker, with working at him, realized, well, all right, well, the key is, you know, get the ball numbers are higher. Once Baker was able to make sure, you know, and he hit, ba- you know, hit David Njoku in that 85 or higher. David Njoku had a ton of success. Um, So I I think it's going to work best for what they have. I mean, you look, Odell, Jarvis, they're the players they are, you know, fantastic receivers at what they do here. Um, But it's okay to say, look, this is my scheme. This is what I want to do. And you look at that scheme, and then you look at, you know, the success, you know, Adam Thielen, you know, Stephon Diggs had while they were playing together in that scheme. And you you don't really have any concerns. Um, You just like the fact that they were able to go out and address depth at the skill positions, and they're deep everywhere at the offensive skill positions, should bode well for Baker.
0: Awesome. So going off right there with what you ended, I got a little two for one question with you here. Uh, Do you think David Njoku will be on the roster come September with Hooper and Harrison Bryant coming in as new tight ends for the team? And then are you also worried about the lack of depth at the receiver position with OBJ having, you know, recent injury history, keeping him off the field, the then uh, Javaris Landry coming off surgery this offseason. Are those things that concern you with the depth at the receiver position? And then once more, will David Njoku be on the roster come September?
2: Well, David Njoku, David Njoku they, immediately after the draft, they picked up his fifth-year option. So I, I don't see David Njoku going anywhere anytime soon. They didn't need to pick up that option. Um, they chose to. He's about to be 23 years old, and he's going to be going into what will be his fourth year in the NFL. Um, He's a pup, he's a babe, he's you know he's still you know he's still a a ball of clay, so to speak. Here, Um, I think they understand that you know he brings a ridiculous amount of athleticism to a receiving aspect of the tight end position. You can line him up wide, you know, you can run fades with him, you know, down by the goal line. There's a lot more you can do with David Njoku than just essentially say you know. He's a move tight end, which is going to be his primary role. But they can do other things with him. The depth behind the receiver, we were a little concerned about. Um, but, you know, like I talked about, you know, some things that, you know, Baker was comfortable with in 2018. One of those guys was Rashard Higgins. They have a great rapport. Um, they had a great rapport to kick off the 2019 season. I don't know exactly what went on there. Um, you know, obviously, some of it was, you know, John Dorsey. Some of it was Freddie Kitchens. And I'm sure some ways, you know, Rashard Higgins was you know guilty to that aspect as well. Um, but, you know, Rashard Higgins waited a long time put a lot of thought and process into this decision and probably took a deal with Cleveland that, you know, he could have gotten more money elsewhere, but what did you do? You know, I have a great relationship with Baker Mayfield. That's pretty much what I've had to this point in the NFL. So yeah, I I'll stick around here. You know, do I eventually want a longer term deal with, you know, more guaranteed money? Yeah. But you know, Baker would be the guy to get him, to said deal. Um, Odell, I don't think we're as much concerned because, you know, it was the sports hernia and, you know, he's back to 110% as far as working out. Um, Jarvis is a little different. You know, this hip thing has been an issue. This was an issue a year ago. Um, He was doing a charity softball game and he wasn't even sure if he was going to be able to run the bases. He tried to play through the season. You know which he did, um, and then you know he, he was supposed to have the surgery. You know, he still ended up playing in the Pro Bowl, which was really really weird. Probably should have just gotten it accomplished then. Um, but you know by the time he's ready to go, which they say is late July, early August, so essentially is almost everybody else in the NFL. So it's not going to cost Jarvis that much time. You brought Higgins back. You know Donovan Peoples Jones. You know could have a role here early. I think ideally they don't want him to have a role early. They want him to you know basically make up all what he was supposed to learn at Michigan that Michigan just wasn't able to, you know, get done and get him familiar with. And, you know, Damian Ratley has some, you know, experience as well with Baker Mayfield. So I think for now, I I think, yeah, it's, you know, overall depth, but you would say, well, you know, if something, you know, if it's not Odell and it's not Jarvis, I mean, what do you really got, you know, after you would have those guys anyway, you're not going to be ultra deep when you have two headliners like that, but I think they put themselves in a best situation where they can find a way to, you know, cover a loss whatever the position may be they should be able to cover a loss whether it's a running back position the wide receiver position or the tight end position
1: awesome yeah i I actually agree with that so um moving on to the defensive side of the ball so you guys obviously have miles garrett one of the best defensive ends in football you have 11 vernon who's I mean, I think he's pretty underrated. He doesn't get the stats anymore, but like he was a very key part of your guys' defense last year. I thought he did a lot of very good things. So behind him, though, you guys have guys like Chad Thomas and Adrian Claiborne. So I guess I'll just get to the point. Do you think that this team needs a guy like Jadavian Clowney? I think the
2: idea of uh, Jadavian Clowney to this franchise is extremely appealing because when you have Miles Garrett, who is this ultra – uber athlete and all he can do at the you know the the edge position man imagine if you could find somebody that can almost match him athleticism wise and even still Clowney comes here where's the focus going Garrett is still going to be the focus he's been the focus of this defense as far as you know pass protection since the day he walked in the building you know so you're saying all right well Olivier Vernon you know obviously older you know not the athlete pure athlete that Clowney ever was you bring in Clowney here is it an upgrade. It is, and for what the Browns and what they're into this with Clowney shows it that they think it's really appealing option. They're like, look, you're not using us for a one year pet stop for a big payday. And you, know, the, the talks they've had with Clowney is, look, we're talking two three years. You know, we want to do this for a couple of years. We want to build basically the best edge duo in the NFL, which is smart for the way that they're they're building this defense, which is going to be secondary heavy, which is going to be defensive line heavy. I, I, it's it's really appealing. Um, you know, why hasn't Clowney done it yet? It's, you know, maybe part of it is, you know, a kid from the South, maybe that's where he wants to stay. Um, does he have his eyes on somewhere like Florida where, you know, obviously he's not going to have to pay state income tax so he can kind of, you know, almost double up a little bit more on the money that he's going to make. There's a lot of interesting aspects to it, but, you know, Olivier Vernon is solid. And what people don't understand about Olivier Vernon is like, there's guys who just do their assignment and, you know, it doesn't show up in the box score. Guys don't get the credit for it. But you know, Baltimore Ravens, first game you know, when they played him last year, and you know, Browns won by two touchdowns. Olivia Vernon was solid, set the edge all day. No running back was getting outside. Um, and there's one other name. It's Porter Gustin, who two years ago was at USC, who was a big, big-time potential draft guy. Uh, his last year at USC, the injuries kind of got to him. Um, he tested for you know one of the behavioral meds at the Combine. You know The whole draft process didn't go well for him. But he's, you know, he's almost six foot four. He's 270 pounds. He's really athletic. He, you know, they signed him about week seven or week eight last year, and he was, you know, one of the highest snapping defensive ends on that team towards the end of the season. You know, obviously with Miles suspended, with Olivier, you know, with, with the injuries he was dealing with, he's a gem right there, and he could be something, and that turns out to, you know, be a little bit more than anybody thinks because I mean he's going to get to sit down with the likes of Adrian Clayborn, pick his brain, learn from Olivier Vernon. And, you know, I mean, obviously you, you can't duplicate what Miles is as an athlete, but you may be able to find some twerk, some tweak that you can add to your game to help you know, improve you. So, you know, and I've talked about this for years since I've been covering this team is, you know, the D-line depth, it was just never, never there. I think they've made a real, real concentrated effort to improve that outside and in.
0: Awesome. Uh, so going to where <laughs> we started the, the episode with, when we asked how you were, you mentioned that, you know, it's, it's a crazy time to be alive. You know, crazy moment in your lifetime and our lifetime as well. Um, unprecedented times for sure. Now, with that comes the, the offseason aspect of things. This is usually when teams are beginning their, you know, their training, OTAs are taking place and stuff like that. Are you worried about the, the lack of the offseason that's been there for these players <coughs> to get in sync with another new offense? I feel like that's something Cleveland has struggled with for as long as I've been watching football is just staying consistent in any capacity with the head coach or front office, let alone a quarterback position. Um, you feel like you have that now with Baker, but with the lack of offseason here to get in sync with the new coach and playbook and everything like that, and being with teammates, is that something that concerns you heading into this next season?
2: <clears throat> well, there's two ways to look at it. Um, obviously any, any team with a new regime right now, or even new coordinators or where a new offense being put in or new defense. Look, these zoom classes are fantastic. And but what can you actually take out of it um, until you're actually on a field and like, look, this is your spot. This is where you need to be, you know, eight yards deep out. You know, you want to be you know over the inside eye of the tight end. You know, so there's going to be some struggles in that capacity. I mean, you took, look at teams like the, you know, the Chiefs and the Ravens where they basically just added some weapons and they're basically going to go out and run back what they did the year before. Obviously, they're going to be at a lot more of an advantage here. I think what the key is going to be for Baker is it's now two years with Jarvis Landry. He's got a full year with Odell under his belt. You know, David is a player he knows. Rashard Higgins should be in the fold. He got eight games with Kareem Hunt. He's obviously very familiar with Nick Chubb. So, yeah, it's a it's a concern. There's no doubt about it. Um, it and there's no way to avoid it, you know, because, I mean, you know, these guys can talk all they want, but you're, you're just not recreating reps that you should have already taken. Um, you know, Baker did a little thing down in Texas, was able to get about eight, nine guys down there. Um, you know, Jarvis wasn't one of them. Odell wasn't one of them. But, you know, David Njoku was one. Rashard Higgins is a Texas native as well. He was one of them. I know Austin Hooper made it down there. So they're trying to make the best they can out of a bad situation. But, yeah, I mean, you know, and there's always the, the proof is in the pudding. So, I mean, without knowing the way this is going to work here and everybody, especially at you know the difficult spot here. Um, it, it, until you see it, it's going to be hard to believe it, but you know, any team right now with the new staff, whether it's a new offense, new defense, or a completely new staff, you've got to believe that there's going to be some hiccups and certainly going to be at a, They're going to be at a disadvantage.
1: Right. Yeah. So well, sticking, I, I, I guess I'm just asking all the defensive questions here. So <laughs> Joe, Joe Strobert went to my team. I'm a Jags fan. So I'm static about it so but for your team what does that mean for your defense you guys obviously had Mac Wilson that did great you guys have Taki Taki who was doing great things last year you guys drafted uh LSU linebacker Jacob Phillips in the third round this year who do you think takes on that role besides Mac Wilson having to step up a little bit
2: that is honestly the biggest question that you could ask right now the Browns is and you know we've you, we've done it on the show you know who do you think takes most most snaps to the linebacker position be honest with you, we're not really sure because – and, you know, Joe Woods spoke the other day, new defensive coordinator, and he spoke that, you know, he's trending towards he wants to play more defensive backs. Um, and you look at, you know, they're going to – obviously the biggest competition for the Cleveland Browns is the Baltimore Ravens. You know, you go to the Ravens and the four losses, you know, um, Lamar's loss uh, in the playoffs at the end of the 2018 season, and then you go to the three losses they had, you know, last year, the two in the regular season and the offseason. The key to beating the Ravens was playing a boatload of defensive backs. There's not a lot of linebackers in the NFL, if any, that can actually run with Lamar Jackson. So once you have that threat of him with his legs, it puts you in a difficult spot here. So if you can match it up and you can play three safeties you know, who weigh 215, 220 and run closer to 4-4 than they do 4-6, you've got a better shot. You know, B.J. Goodson is another one they signed. I think they really, really like Jacob Phillips. I mean, I know they really, really like Jacob Phillips. They like what they think Mac Wilson can be as a coverage linebacker. Um, Sione Taki is going to be the difficult one here. Um, the athleticism is good, um, but I-, I don't know if it's good enough, so to speak. And coverage, he never was really asked to do that at B- I- BYU. When he was at BYU, if it was obviously run downs, he stuffed the to run. When it came time for obviously passing downs, they use him as an edge rusher. So they're going to have to probably maybe find a way to incorporate what Taki Taki does well and maybe keep him in that role where he's you know a little more you know, Swiss Army knife, so to speak. My guess, and you know, honestly, believe it would probably depend on how the season goes. If the Browns' you know record is more on the poor side, you know, I think Mac Wilson's going to be the linebacker that plays the most. If the Browns are more on the side of, you know, successful, uh, I think you know Jacob Phillips is probably the guy that's going to trend that way. You know, they love the fact that he didn't miss a lot of tackles. You know, they understood the athleticism wasn't elite, but they really, really liked what he did on tape. You know, down there at LSU, obviously playing with Patrick Queen. Um, I, I think Jacob Phillips. I think your your linebacker duo going further is Jacob Phillips, Mac Wilson. You know, in inverted roles maybe Mac more when it's passing downs. Jacob, you know, Jacob Phillips more when it's probably obviously run situations.
0: Cool. Um, so let's go back to the offensive side. Tree's got all the defensive questions. Hey, I'll <laughs> gladly take all the offensive ones. Um, now, something I've been vocal with on this podcast and social media um, is my dislike with Baker Mayfield. Uh, you being a diehard uh, Browns fan and hosting Locked On Browns with you know, the aspect of, I'm assuming you liking Baker. He gets drafted number one by a general manager who's no longer there. Uh, he was kind of in a situation last year that was difficult for him. But in my mind, I view Baker as a quarterback who who kind of got figured out last year by defenses. You know, he they found what way he likes to favor rolling out of the pocket. Uh, they, they found out, you know, he's got happy feet, didn't trust his offensive line, blitzed more, in my opinion. And he just kind of made middle errors that cost the Browns games at times. So I guess my question to you here is, what is your patient lov- patience level with Baker Mayfield? And what is your view on him in the future Uh, quarterback of the Browns with the new offense, you know, once again, new front office and coaching staff there in Cleveland.
2: Well, I mean, it depends how you look at, you know, and obviously you're going to look at stats here and go with this type of stuff. Um, Last season was Baker Mayfield's worst football season in four years. Um, He did it without a left tackle. He did it with a right tackle that the Browns put on the market the entire year. Nobody came calling for the need at the offensive tackle position. The Browns were actually able to get him to eat almost 70% of his contract to stick around. It was going to be a reserve role. He didn't have tackle play last year. And the most difficult thing, and look, you can just say, oh, well, they added Odell and they had Jarvis. But then he starts to break it down. David Njoku, Richard Higgins in 2018 combined for 97 receptions. In 2019, they combined for nine receptions. Two of his favorite targets. You took away Darren Fells, a guy he was comfortable with. Duke Johnson's another one. And you know, look, Kareem Hunt, when he did, he was able to play, you know, obviously ninth game of the season, he did some good things. Duke Johnson Baker Mayfield was another play you had success with. You took away a lot of big, what Baker was comfortable with. The other thing was, is you had a, a head coach in Freddie Kitchens, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, what Freddie did towards the end of 18. We were like, you know what? Let's get Freddie a shot here. Let's see if he's the guy. Um, but, you know, Freddie was in way over his head. and And part of the problem was, is Freddie wasn't allowed to be his own guy. Um, it was, you know, John Dorsey essentially covering, you know, controlling everything with, you know, Freddie Kitchens, you know, pseudo, you know, head coach. With the label, um, the, the the plans each week in week out weren't good. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham usually weren't practicing until Fridays, so they weren't getting the reps they needed. In um, the few reps they were getting on Fridays, they were running stuff that by middle of the second quarter, Freddie Kitchens was calling whatever he wanted, stuff that these guys hadn't practiced, stuff that hadn't been in a game plan for two to three weeks. It put Baker in a really really tough spot. You know, did Baker lose his cool at times last year? Sure. Um, was it the most football most difficult football season of his life? Absolutely. Um, you know, but he, you know, and certainly ended up playing injured. I mean, he was, he took a hit week one against Tennessee that we pretty much thought, man, we were lucky if we see this guy by Halloween, you know, sucked it up, played his way through it, you know, took his, you know, beatings against Pittsburgh a couple times. It was just, the pass pro was weak. What the recipe for success, you know, coming down into the player's was weak, and he saw it towards the end where Jarvis had his flare-ups with Freddie Kitchens. Odell did as well. Baker kind of kept that behind the scenes, but he wasn't thrilled, and he knew that the whole thing was a sham at the point at the point it had gotten too late in the season. It's uh, – Baker – and the problem with Baker is because he puts so much on himself, and he does – he is the lightning rod he is. When it doesn't go, go good, people are ready to jump on it. You know, like, everything he did was pretty much the same type of guy in 2018, but he took a team that was 0-16 – to seven wins. So it looked different there. So, but now you take it from seven wins to six and 10 and it looked like garbage in 2019. Let's not kid ourselves. It did. It looked like garbage. So the lightning rod of you know, those who want to, you know, say, I told you, I told you, I told you, come back in full force. You know, he brings it on himself. Uh, I think he uses it all to his own motivation. And when you do that and you want to, you know, basically alienate people or you want to be that guy that sticks it to everybody and say, Hi, I'll tell you. Guess what happens? Every time you do something wrong, guess what? They're all gonna come back and say, Ha ha, I thought you were gonna tell us. So Baker Planet put himself in his own bed in that respect. But you look at what's done here and you know the comfortability with you know playing with tight ends, this offense here, and now there's gonna be a fullback more into the equation here. So God forbid there is a leaked pass rusher here. You've got the extra assistance and picking that up. You know, we're all expecting big things. We're all expecting a bounce back here. Um, And the fact that he's a little bit more quiet about this year, I think we'll appreciate that as well, because, you know, it's to the point, you know, look, you had one great year, you had one rough year. Um, Maybe let's not just do much, so much talking. Let's just see what happens on Sundays.
1: No, that makes sense for sure. Um, So sorry, this wasn't on the rundown Austin. so I'm going to throw you off a little bit here. But um, so where do you think that the Browns are going to finish up? Uh, now that the schedules are out, we kind of know what the rosters are going to look like. Obviously, the Ravens I think are the class of the AFC. I think most people agree with that. Like, where where do you think mm-hmm. that the Browns line up compared to say the Steelers with Big Ben coming back? See, that's the one that I, I
2: find tough to believe. Um, and look, you know, I may be wrong here, but it just seems so weird to say that Big Ben at 38 is just going to roll back and be the guy we've always seen. You know, after the elbow last year. Um, the defense has improved for Pittsburgh, and it's, you know, obviously the Minka trade worked out really well for them. You add on to that with the Devin Bush addition. Great, great defensive line, even with the fact they lost, you know, Javon Hargrave. So the defense is there, but, you know, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who's in this kind of weird situation. He's a guy that should be looking for the next contract, which most likely the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to give him after a rough year last year. Uh, the running back position, they kind of, you know, they've got Connor, but, you know, they got Benny Snell. They brought in the kid from Maryland, so how's that all going to shake out? um it's all going to come down to Ben for Pittsburgh and you know until you see it at this age you know that he's going to come back from this elbow injury um but if you look at it you know they played them extremely tough you know obviously when they won the Monday night game granted Ben wasn't there but they were wreaking havoc all day long Mason Rudolph Duck Hodges are a lot more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger is at this age so if these guys are going to be able to you know break you know pay, uh, break pass blocking get into the backfield it's going to be a long long day for Pittsburgh Cincinnati, I, I think, is trending. It, it's weird to say it. I think Cincinnati had a really, really good offseason. And it's weird because they actually got in, you know, involved in a little bit in free agency. But you think about, you know, I, I just you know go from where I saw it. You know, it's it's that tough stretch to get yourself from where you were drafting number one overall. Maybe get yourself back to the middle of the pack. So then it's the next year, hopefully, where you take that jump. Um, I think they can, can contend with Pittsburgh. Uh, I think they have enough on defense, you know, to cover the aerial assault and get after Ben. Um, the question is going to be is how does this new offensive line, obviously with the new right tackle and a rookie left tackle, playing left tackle for the first time, seeing how all that gels. But I, I think they are in a solid position to do no worse than second in this division. And people don't didn't really notice it last year. But for six quarters last year, the Cleveland Browns paid the Baltimore Ravens about as good as anybody in the NFL did. By the end of that, you know, the last game, which was week 16, they just didn't have enough horses left. I mean, they were playing them without Miles Garrett. Olivier Vernon was on one leg. They were down to playing safeties five, six, and seven due to the injuries there. Um, you know, I had Greedy Williams, who they just completely mishandled as a rookie. Um, granted, he'd play well, but they also mishandled the way they handled him. You know, they didn't have much left at Mac Wilson was in way, way over his head at the time. Um, I, I feel a lot more confident about the overall product this year. Um, but again, look, you're talking about. First time front office, you're talking about a first time head coach. Everything you hear when these guys speak, it sounds great. You know, it sounds like everybody gets the page. Everybody gets the vision of what they're trying to do. But, you know, until, you know, it's late third quarter and you're down two touchdowns and you took a couple punches in the mouth. You know, those are the breaks that essentially beat the boys. But for you've got to like and love what you're hearing to this point with the offseason they had. Um, but, you know, it's it's been a while since they've tasted playoff football. And, and until I see it, that's when I'm going to believe it.
0: Awesome. Hey, great answers here. We got one more for you before we end this. Again, we thank you for your time and uh, My cleat, my cause. This is a question that we have just kind of accepted as our own. This is our special question for you. Uh, my cleat, my, cleat, my is an opportunity for players to express what they are passionate about. So for you, if you had an opportunity to design your own cleat with this uh, for the My Cleat, My Claws week, uh what would be your on what would be your design on the cleat
2: it's actually kind of funny that you you brought this up and as soon as you said it for like me it comes to me um my youngest daughter she's now 12 years old um she was born at 22 weeks um most babies go 38 go 40 weeks 40 weeks within the womb um and when my oldest daughter was going to preschool you know, we ran into another couple and we just got kind of like friends through our kids And then we had found out that there was a charity, you know, and they only live, you know, a few blocks from us. They had a charity and they actually had a daughter, almost the exact same case as my daughter. Um, Their daughter, Caitlin, was essentially born at the same age. She didn't make it. Um, You know, The and they admire the living hell out of me because I don't know how you could go through something that difficult and you just have the inner fortitude to say, you want to know what? Let's do something to help. You know, for anybody who's got to go through this, like we went through it. Um, you know, so we're still close with them. We just actually saw them recently. Um, and, you know, they have pictures similar in their house of you know what their daughter looked like at the time. We have those pictures. You know, my daughter, Hope, has seen those pictures of herself. And she's gotten to see, you know, what their daughter, Caitlin, and, you know, they have two daughters now. And we talk with them all the time. And it's, you know, that would certainly for me be the cause would be, you know, prematurity and just, you know, knowing them and seeing all that they've done and seeing the advancement now and where it's come. And that's been one thing where, you know, I try to be, you know, Twitter good about. It. Like you you know there's things you know others are going through and you can say, look, you know what, I can help with this. And we've actually I've actually, you know, done it with You know, uh, another one of our Cleveland Browns guys who does some great content, Jake Burns, he kind of went through it himself. Um, And, you know, I just, you know, did anything I could to try to be there with him, help answer questions or even like, you know, him and his wife. They they oh, we're not sure about this or we're getting that. Well, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. But uh, without question for me, it would, you know, uh, be, uh, you know, you know. Birthing prematurity, you know, and for all we went through, and how difficult that was. Um, and we know how fortunate we are that we just have a normal 12-year-old girl now who likes to go out with her friends, you know, when she used to be able to do that. You know, go on her skateboard, you know, all that type of fun stuff. Um, but, you know, that was, without a doubt for me, would be number one and uh, certainly would be the uh, my cause, my cleat.
1: That, that's amazing. I, I'm a new dad of a year, so like hearing that story, like I've, I fully admit, like I'm the softest person in the world now that you, now that I like have a kid. So like hearing that, like I I could not imagine going through that. So that is awesome. Um, awesome that you help out other families. Awesome that you think about that, and that's what you would do for my my cause. So um, major props to you, man, because I, I I I think that's amazing for you. So. Um, But that does do it for us for today's episode. You guys can find all of Jeff's work on Twitter. Um, His Twitter handle is at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd for his personal one. And then, as we've said before, at Locked on Browns. So those are two places you guys can find Jeff there. And as always, you can find us. Um, at talking underscore football you can find me at justin treese you can find austin at austin cham 33 on twitter Uh, again jeff we appreciate it and everybody tonight we've been talking football